0: This is decision are you making right now that you have sampled the provisions but you have not sought counsel from the Lord? Because all of us make decisions all the time. And God wants to not just be an afterthought to the decision, but God wants to be a part of the entire decision.
1: Have you ever been working with someone on a project and they just kind of took over? It probably felt like you weren't really working together at all. Well, today, Pastor Daniel talks about how God wants to be included in your decision-making process from beginning to end. As you'll see in this passage, things go crooked when you don't seek direction from the Lord. So don't leave God out. Let Him show you the best way to move forward. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Joshua chapter 9 as he continues his message, Bad Friends.
0: discernment helps us to parse out somebody who's saying all the right things but still has the wrong heart and i think that that is a spiritual discipline that the spirit of god is yearning to give us as his people because sometimes as god's people someone just uses a little bit of jesus language and all of our discernment goes out the window and don't miss it for one second that satan understands all the jesus language as well I mean, he tempted Jesus in the wilderness using scripture. So just because someone's got scripture or they're using Jesus-laden language, we need the discernment to be able to say, is this person's heart lined up with what they actually are talking about? Now, let's just be honest here. How many of you have found yourself in a situation with someone who used all the right language, but they were totally wrong? So common. So common. And I believe that the spirit of God gives supernatural discernment when we give him room. In a lot of ways, part of this also is rather than taking time, they just acted. So I think part of this is about us learning, you learning and me learning how to bake margin into our decision making. Bake some time in there so that we can seek the Lord Because oftentimes when things move fast, I'm working through a situation right now where a bunch of decisions were made very, very quickly and ultimately it wasn't the wrong decision, but it could have been done better, right? And it was like, oh, you know what my mistake was? It was moving too fast. Everything was happening quick. And because everything was happening quickly, we didn't stop and say, okay, Lord, is there anything we're missing? So take in that margin into your time to be able to allow the Lord to unpack whatever it is that needs to happen, whatever it needs to be. Now, in verse 11, they continue their story. Therefore, the elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, say, take provisions for the journey and go and meet them and say to them, we're your servants, therefore, now make a covenant with us. And then they go through all the different props that they brought here. They had this thing all dialed in. They're like, look, When we left, this bread was fresh, fresh out of the oven. It's like, how many of you ever try and resist a donut when you go by the donut shop and it all smells like donuts for like three blocks, right? They're like, when we left, the whole place smelled like fresh bread. But now look at it, it's moldy. These wineskins, they were brand new. We've had to stitch them a hundred times. Our sandals were fresh from zapatos or whatever, zappos. You know, it's because we're talking about Mazelan today. Now I'm like speaking in half Spanish, Spanglish. Zappos or whatever. I got my new shoes and now they're all worn out. My clothes were all good. They were brand new. And now they're dusty. And we've been on this long journey. And look what it says in verse 14. This is where it lands. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. This is what I want you to do. I want you to retry out. I want you to circle that in your neighbor's Bible. Go ahead. Circle that verse. Dude, like that's one of those statements in the Bible right there. They sampled the provisions. They heard the story. But they did not seek counsel of the Lord. This is the mistake that's been made. They were involved in all of this. They checked out all their provisions. They accepted as evidence, things that were highly questionable. And they did not ask and seek direction from the Lord. Now, what decision are you making right now that you have sampled the provisions, but you have not sought counsel from the Lord? Because all of us make decisions all the time. And God wants to not just be an afterthought, to the decision, but God wants to be a part of the entire decision. What I've learned in my own life, in my journey, I always say we're all in process, is that it's so common for people to want what they want and then figure out ways to justify it, right? It's like, this is what I want to do and I'm going to figure out. And even in church long enough, you have all the justification stuff that you want that you want to pile in there. But the thing is, is I don't think God is impressed with our attempts at self-justification. And actually, I have a scripture about that where the prophet Isaiah said that our righteousness is as filthy rags. To be even more provocative, the idea of our righteousness that speaks of our attempts at being justified by our own actions are as filthy rags. And literally in the Hebrew, the filthy rag is a used sanitary napkin. That's what the actual Hebrew word is. Now... Just let that settle for a second. So I grew up with a mom and two sisters. I live in a house with lots of girls right now. Are you sanitary napkins useful for anything? It's an awkward question. Like everyone's squirming right now. Everyone's like, that's how God sees our attempts at self-justification. <laughs> like, think about that for a second. Like There's nothing to do with that. So we have to be careful not to try and we have our decisions that we're trying to get God on board. That's a joke. We need to say, God, what is it that you want? And Lord, will you bring my heart around? See, that's the key. Because what goes on, and it's not only like a Western problem or an American problem, what goes on is that we want what we want, whatever our belief structure is, we figure out a way to justify what we want, and we put it into language that seems to make sense. And without the gift of discernment, or without somebody in your life who's saying, you know what, that may not be God's heart, We run off in all these directions with all these justifications and we don't understand why things are going the way they're going. And brothers and sisters, listen, if you ever want to know God's heart, God's word is there for a reason. That's why we need to be people of the book. We need to put God's word front and center because the beauty of if you really know God's word and you've memorized God's word is that you go to justify stuff and you're like, that's just total self-justification right now. I'm trying to make a case for that, but I really can't because I have all these other verses that tell me the exact opposite. Right? Right? And so for us, we need to make sure that we're not self-justifying. Now, I also call this message bad friends because these guys are speaking, but they're not speaking truth. Like they're sharing, we want to serve you. We've heard about your God and it's all lies. And I am reminded when I read this about how important it is who speaks into your life at the most critical moments. Pastor Generino always talks about this, and I love that about him. He's always like, man, so much of life is who speaks into your life at the most important decision-making times, and is their counsel worthy to be acted upon? Because the problem is, as many of us, the counselors we have are not living lives that we would want. And so we end up allowing certain people to speak into our lives who have no business speaking into anybody's life. I was just talking to someone recently and they were sharing a story how they were at a very significant crossroads and they were making a very significant decision and one of their closest friends was counseling them to make a decision that was clearly against the word of God. And because it was a close friend who was really pushing to do it, this person was starting to lean that way and then somebody else entered into the picture and and they told them what they were going to do and this person said, well, hold on a second and spoke the Bible into their life, only to find out later, amazingly, the woman took the biblical counsel, and the friend who was giving them bad counsel said, well, I actually, I knew that it was wrong, but I did the same thing, and I didn't really care. And so we have to really think for a second, who is speaking into your life at the most critical junctures? And are they speaking truth? Like, there's a scene in the movie, Fireproof. If you've never seen the movie, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's a marriage that's in crisis and the husband is half-heartedly trying to work on his marriage. But even though he's half-heartedly trying to work, he's actually working on it, you know? And so he's doing all these things and the wife is talking to her girlfriends and all the girlfriends are like, oh man, don't buy that for a second because my friend, you know, they were getting a divorce and the husband did all this nice stuff to butter her up so he can get more in the divorce. So don't even like ignore that. He's just playing you. At that moment, it was actually a horrible counsel because the guy, his heart wasn't in it and later in the movie, his heart gets in it and things happen as they do. But at that moment, he was trying and her friends shut down what God was trying to do by reconcile a relationship. So my friends, don't listen to bad friends. Do you have people in your life whose testimony of their life is something that you're like, I like what I see in their life. Jesus is at the center of their life. They are light and bright and they're humble and they're hungry. The way that they live is the way that I want. I see their marriage, I want their type of marriage. And those are the people who you ask to pray for you and ask for insight into life. But the problem is, there's an old saying, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's also been said, you will become the average of your five closest friends. Another way to say it. Your friends either bring you up or they drag you down. Now, I'm not, like, if you find that your average of your five closest friends horrifies you, I'm not saying don't be their friends, okay? I'm saying that you need to find some better friends, Because your friends have a huge influence on your life. Here, they're making friends with people who are just flat out lying to them, being completely dishonest. In verse 15, we find, so Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them and let them live and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. But now look what happens because the truth comes out. And it happened, verse 16, at the end of three days after they made a covenant. Now, notice it does say three days there. I'm not gonna belabor the three-day piece of the thing. But three days pops up often in the Bible in all different circumstances. So, and it happened at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. Then the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Zephira, Beroth, and Kirjath jerim But the children of Israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel and all the congregation complained against the rulers." Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. And the rulers said to them, let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised them. So, so what happens is after three days, This all comes out. It took them three days to get to where they lived. And right away, you find out that the rulers said, you can't attack them because we swore in the name of the Lord. They took an oath in God's name. Now, if you fast forward to the New Testament, what does the Bible say about taking oaths or vows? It says, don't do it. Why? Because you shouldn't need to. Your yes should be yes, you know should be no, and everything else is from the evil one. So don't take vows, okay? That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's unnecessary. But because they did it in the name of the Lord, they wanted to honor the Lord in whose name they had made. The co- and right away, what you find is it says the people are upset with their leaders. Now, there's two things to take away from that. First, if you're a leader, you should not be doing that lightly in any way, shape, or form right? Because if you're a leader and people are, you're responsible for people, your bad decisions now become their problem, right? Now, I think all of us are leaders in different ways. We are all leaders in our jobs and in our homes. We have spheres of influence. And so you have to make sure you don't take that lightly. And second, you should always pray for your leaders. And actually, that's a very biblical thing, right? No matter who's the president, we pray for the president. No matter who's on the Supreme Court, we pray for them. No matter who's running county, state, all your leaders. You should pray for people who are leading. Why? Because when they make lousy decisions, it impacts everybody, right? And I'll be unabashedly, pray for us, your pastors here at Crossroads. We need your prayers. One of the most encouraging things is when people say, man, we've been praying for you guys. I had someone just yesterday grab me. and said, Pastor Daniel, I was so convicted. You pastors are, what God is doing here is amazing, but you guys are under Lots of stuff going on. Lots of things. You're getting hit from every angle. And I've been praying for you. I'm sorry. I'm like, man, that's okay. He's like, I'm praying for you now. I'm like, thank you. Pray for people. It's not easy. You get things wrong. Nothing worse. You don't think for a leader, when a leader gets something wrong, Satan doesn't just have a field day with (laughs) him? It's hard, man. Me and Lynn were talking about She's like, how do you deal with it? I'm like, well, I just trust the Lord. And if I mess up, I say, hey, I messed up. Can I fix that? <laughs> it's the best I got. You know, it's the best you got. But you realize that the leader's mistake here becomes everybody's issue. And so this oath was done in the name of the Lord. And so they're kind of stuck. But what's interesting is then it comes up, let them be woodcutters and water carriers. I mean, they had already committed themselves to be servants. And so the woodcutters was not a wonderful job. Water carriers obviously, you know, isn't an amazing job. And so they're saying, well, let them be servants in that way. And so in verse 22, Joshua called for them and he spoke to them saying, why have you deceived us saying, we are very far from you when you dwelt near us. Now, therefore, you are cursed and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua and said, because your servants... We're clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we were very much afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing. Verse 25, and now here we are in your hands, do with us as it seems good and right to do to us. And so he did to them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel so that they did not kill them. And that day Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in the place which he would choose even to this day. Now, what is interesting here is for the Gibeonites, they had heard that God was giving them the land and that all the people were to be destroyed. And so they said to themselves, look, what do we got to lose? We end up as their servants, we keep our lives, right? So in some sense, you understand the purposes of what the Gibeonites did. But what's also, I think, interesting here is Joshua is smart because Joshua realizes the reason God wanted all the people of that land to be destroyed was so that they wouldn't negatively influence the children of Israel, to draw them away. And so what Joshua does he says you're going to be woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. So instead of keeping them far away where they can have an outside in influence he brought them close and he said you're going to serve in the temple in the tabernacle at that time so that you'll always be around the work of the Lord. Now, I want to make an application for that for us. And I think it's an important application because with each passing year that I find myself in the work of God's kingdom in the local church, I find that by and large, the church takes two polar opposite positions to people who are outside the faith. One is keep them as far away from the church as possible because they'll ruin us. And the other is bring them close so that they can be saved. I'm here to tell you, at Crossroads, we're always going to be a bring them close so they can get saved kind of a place. You know? It's like why we do what we do on October 31st. I always love it, you know? It's like when you seek not just to be scared of the dark and reject everything. You know, they always come out of the woodwork when another church is saying, actually, we're going to try and redeem this day to give out Bibles and to connect with our community and bring a safe place so that the kids and families in our community don't get hurt on a day where mischief can abound. It's amazing how much heat you take. I don't get upset about that, though, because for me, everyone should be in church as often as they can. People who don't know Jesus, any chance you can get them to come and be around the family of God where people are filled with the Spirit. They have the joy of the Lord in their lives. It's the best thing for our community. And so I think Joshua, I was inspired by him being like, you know what? Because you can imagine him being like, you're our servants, but we don't want you to be anywhere. You're going to be a blemish on our love feast. Like, stay away. Joshua was like, no, no, I want you to work right in the tabernacle. You're going to serve right where the action's at. And I think we need to find more and more ways to bring people who are far close. I think for each one of you, I think there are people in your life who you keep at an arm's distance that I think God wants you to bring a little closer. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not encouraging you. If someone's at an arm's distance because they're unsafe or their presence tempts you to sin, and you can't handle it, then you have to keep them men at arm's distance. But not because of them, but because of you. But I think too many of us as followers of Jesus, we are trying to be salt. But salt never has any flavor unless it's smeared on the meat. You can't be salt in a bottle. I mean, you're salt, but you actually have no impact, no saltiness when you're in a salt shaker in a cupboard. You have to be on the food. And I think one of the things that God is doing in this generation, and it gets me excited, makes me nervous a little bit, is how profoundly God is inviting the people of God to be a part of our community and not be segregated off in our buildings. And it's because God wants the salt to add flavor. What good is a light that's buried in a basket? Light's supposed to be on a lampstand. It gives light to the whole room. Jesus is real.
1: You'll never experience the flavor of salt unless you actually use it on your food. In the same way, God wants you to step out of your comfort zone and to be used to bring his flavor to the lives of the people around you. Pastor Daniel encouraged you to let down your walls and look for ways to draw people who are far from the Lord closer. God is inviting his people to be part of their communities in ways that shine his light and share his love and grace with the watching world. Then maybe they'll taste and see that the Lord is good. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize
0: that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I wanna help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word "saved" to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my
1: team will get in touch with you. We wanna get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio as we continue in this series called Conquest. Next time, you'll see God do some incredible things, things that shouldn't be possible. So with this, Pastor Daniel will encourage you to lay down the things that hold you back from trusting in the Lord and fully place your life in God's loving and capable hands. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Conquest. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.